we're drifting in a corner. My navigator yelled, uh, slow down, slow down. You know, he, he, he panicked cause he didn't see it early enough. And I, I tapped the brakes to slow down, but we were going in the corner so quick. We hit a rut and it basically picked the car up and basically pulled the rug out from underneath us. And we rolled in the air a few times, crash landed on the roof, rolled over and rolled down a bank, basically hanging from our front wheels. We lost our lights on the top of the car. Uh, both doors were crushed closed, so we had to exit and enter through the front front wind, windshield area. Episode 55, Eric Risen, Baja Racing. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Travis Parsons. Today's guest is Eric Risen. Eric and his fellow firefighters have formed a team up in Canada to build a car and race in the Baja 1000. They've been doing it for a few years now, but I wanted to have Eric on to tell us all about what it is they do and why they do it. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Travis. So go into some more detail, if you would, about who you are, who the guys are that you've gotten together to do this and why you're doing it. Um, well, my name is Eric Risen. I'm a Vancouver firefighter and I formed YOLO racing with a couple of friends and firefighters. Um, basically it had been a notion in our head to go race the Baja 1000, you know, basically a bucket list thing. And we talked about it for years and finally said, well, enough talking about it. Let's, uh, research it, build a car and go give it a shot. Uh, so in, 2008, uh, we did that and went down for our first attempt at it, um, built a car from scratch, um, basically in my garage and went down, um, built the car the whole way down, finishing it off, uh, got the car running the night before the race and, uh, showed up at the start line, not knowing what we'd gotten ourselves into <laughs> and, uh, obviously went down with you know, uh, realistic ambitions and goals, uh, realizing this is one of the toughest off-road races in the world. And that, uh, obviously we knew we probably weren't going to win it. And, um, we were, our goal was just to finish and gain as much knowledge as we could. We were successful in, in completing the 1000 miles and we placed six in our class. So we were very pleased with that. Um, we were quick to realize, um, for us to be competitive, we needed to do, a lot more homework and a lot more uh, research and development on our vehicle. So we followed up the next year uh, after working on the car, changing a bunch of things, uh, revamping our logistics, and then we placed third. Um, then the next time we went down, we attempted the race again, and we achieved a second place finish. Um, and this is also racing the 1000 every time. Um, we were able to obtain a sponsor or partial sponsorship throughout the uh, years doing it. And I was able to convince one of our sponsors that uh, we had what it took to compete for the overall championship. 
um, for, and I said, let's sit out a year, retool the car, get everything lined up, and then compete in all five races in the SCORE International Off-Road Racing Series. And uh, he said, yeah, let's go for it. So we established a program, and uh, our team got together and competed in that, uh, all five races. And after the fifth race, we'd uh, achieved uh, the overall championship in our class. Um, we had a first place in Laughlin, a second place in Laughlin, a third place in the Baja 500, a first place in the San Felipe 250, and a second place in the Baja 1000, which was a peninsula run from Ensenada to uh, La Paz. So that was our uh, that was our best placing was the championship, obviously. And then last year we raced again. Um, we did some revamping with the team, and we ran into a few mechanical problems and uh, finished fourth. Um, we do have a fantastic video on our Facebook page that can show all the, the problems and perils we were dealing with on that trip. But uh, we are going back next year and we're doing everything in our power to win it. Um, we're more prepared than we were in the years before. We are going down with the hopes of pre-running um, every mile of the course, which we've never had the luxury uh, of time to do that before. And we said, uh, we're going to commit to it. Every person on the team needs to be able to commit that much uh, of an effort so we do have an awareness for the course. So the first few years we were running, basically showing up at the start line, downloading the GPS files and taking off from the start line and driving the course as it was uh, relayed to us through the GPS. Um, and we know in order to be competitive, uh, you need to have more um, knowledge of the local terrain so pre-running is is definitely something that is beneficial and you know from coming from canada it's a two-day drive down and a day to get the car all sorted out then we race and then it's usually a two-day drive home uh unless we end in cabo san lucas and it's a four to five day drive home so it's it's quite the venture but we're going we're going hard this year for sure oh that's awesome i suspect if you end in cabo san lucas you may may hang out there for a little while uh, well, <laughs> we, that's always the plan. However, uh, all of us have family and work requirements. So yeah. for us to take time off, uh, to, I mean, it is, is quite the commitment. Um, again, for us to leave here, uh, from Vancouver, Canada, it's usually a two day drive down to LA. We usually run around, pick up parts and supplies, and then a day or two for organization at the race. If we race to Cabo, it's usually two days to get down and then a five-day trip home. So, you know, it's a two-week commitment off of work and off of uh, away from the family. So uh, most of us don't have the luxury of sticking around for, you know, we, we obviously did stay for a day or two next time just so we could relax. Um, last year, it took us, I, I believe we were on the road and awake for probably 58 hours. So, wow. uh, very tired by the time we got down there. I mean, that was also a result of all the problems we had and uh, chasing the race and racing the race at the same time. So limited resources coming from Canada. So it's we're a small team, but uh, it just means more work for everybody. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have made great strides for being such a small team. I mean, I, I, I say I mean no pun here, but uh, it, you're essentially drinking from the fire hose. You know, you set out in, in 2008 in that first race, you barely got the car, you know, ready by the, the day of the race and, and you hit it and finished. That's, that's fantastic. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, we're very pleased with the results, and um, we've we didn't go down completely uneducated on uh, the stuff. I mean, the first year that uh, I, I went down to watch the race, spoke with a bunch of drivers in their vehicles, and looked at how some of these vehicles were put together. We had a lot of help from uh, Mackenzie's Performance, which is an off-road supply shop in uh, Anaheim, and uh, a couple of the guys there we dealt with. And they pointed us in the right direction for what components to put on the car and how to set it up. And we thought we were doing it all right, uh, you know, over the phone and basically built the, built the car over the phone and uh, <laughs> tried to figure it out. And then, you know, once we got down there and, and ran the car, we realized there definitely were some things to change. We've also had a lot of help uh, over the years um, from a couple of locals down in Ensenada, uh, Ramon Speed Shop. Uh, has been fantastic in, in helping us get the suspension dialed in. Um, virtually impossible for us to dial it in because we do not have the terrain that they have down there uh, as far as whoops, silt, any of this stuff. So the only way we can do it is is uh, race it down there, and then we usually come home and repair what was broken and then go back down. Uh, the year we had the full sponsorship, Ramon uh, did set the car up uh, initially for us. And it was a humongous difference. It was, it was incredible. So we do have a decent car and we have a very uh, knowledgeable team with many skills. So it's, um, it is a good recipe and, and we, we do work well together. So hopefully this year is the one year that we do take, uh, the first place in the 1000 that seems to be eluding us, but we're going to do everything we can this year to, uh, ensure we, we, we move forward, uh, in that race and get a first place. And then, we're, we're maybe looking to move into a different class as well, or maybe run two cars. We're not sure yet, but okay. main focus now is for sure to finish this year in first place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the, the class that you run. This is the, the Beetle, you know, the Volkswagen Beetle class as everybody has seen. So it's called the 51600, right? And I assume 1600 is the CC. What's the five? The five is actually uh, indicates uh, the Beetle body. So there are actually three Beetle classes. There's class 11, there's class 5, 1600, and then there's class 5 unlimited. So class 11 is basically a bone stock Volkswagen Beetle. You're not allowed to modify uh, the suspension, the shocks, anything like that. You can put a beefier shock in them. You have to run stock fenders, the full body, the full hood, the full engine compartment, um, very limited travel. Uh, you're allowed to run a 1600 motor, but it's it's a very very tough class as you know to put a stock Volkswagen Beetle through uh, some of the toughest terrain you can even imagine. It it still blows my mind that some of these cars can get through the stuff. Yeah, uh, I've seen those guys out there. It's amazing to watch those little things bashing through the oh, the silt like they are. Those, those yeah. are probably the craziest guys of the race. They they definitely have the most. Uh, uh, physical challenges. Uh, the, <laughs> right. be the beating they take is unbelievable. Um, then we move up into our class, which is a five sixteen hundred. So the five means we have to have a completely, a complete Volkswagen Beetle uh, body and pan. So that has to have real doors, you know, the real body, the real pan. We have to run a stock um, width uh, suspension in the front, so that. Uh, frame in the front and the beam is a stock width the trailing arms in the rear are plus or minus one inch of stock so essentially it's a, a a volkswagen beetle all the dimensions are the same 
other than the fact we're allowed to put bigger uh, shocks on them. We still have to run with torsion springs in the front and rear, uh, which is like 1945 technology when right. they first, you know, they first came out, uh, and then beef up certain components of the car. And then you would, and then the, the 1600, of course, is the uh, CC displacement. You have to run a 1600 CC air-cooled Volkswagen motor. Then the five unlimited is basically, uh, you know, Volkswagen Beetle on steroids completely. So you can run coilover shocks. You can run as wide a beam as you want. You can run, uh, you know, I, I believe it's an unlimited water-cooled or air-cooled two-liter motor. They may have changed it to un- open whatever you want to run as long as it's a Volkswagen power. So it's quite a bit uh, faster car than ours uh, with quite a bit more suspension. Um, the reason we stuck with ours was we didn't want to run the class 11 because it's, you know, you're just getting beat. Um, our class is quite a bit quicker than them. Uh, and then to the, the class five unlimited, uh, you're, you're spending quite a bit more money, uh, just building the car and then on upkeep of the car. So we're also all Volkswagen fans, uh, and race fans. So it seemed like a, a very nostalgic, cool car to run. Um, when we started running, well, so we looked at which class was extremely competitive and, uh, at the early stages of the racing, uh, 08, 09, we were having 22 class five sixteen show up, uh, you know, somewhere around there, 18 to 22 of them. The class has reduced in size, but it's also based on the economy changed a bunch of things and, and just the sheer costs of everything and, you know, racing wise. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, the car seems like the right fit. You know, you don't want to get smashed to bits in the in the the pure stock Beetle class. But then, you know, if you're you're also running for charity, so you're not spending a ton of money trying to outfit some super buggy at the same time. It looks like a blast of a car to run around in. It it is it is very enjoyable. Um, the the money we raise um, goes to our charities. Everything we've raised so far has gone to our charities and not to our race team. So we've donated everything to Vancouver Firefighters Charitable Society and to Firefighters Without Borders. So um, it's a it's a fantastic cause, and and we do it just to help out as we can. And it's something we're we're passionate about because we're firefighters ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In his first book, Sydney to London, The Long Ride Home, Nathan Millward writes about his nine-month, 23,000-mile journey across the world on a 105cc postal carrier bike. However, that wasn't enough adventure for Nathan, so he again headed out on another adventure of 8,000 miles across America and wrote about that trip in his second book, Running Towards the Light, Postcards from Alaska. Pick up these two great books and get inspired to set out on your next adventure. You can find Nathan's books at www.nathanmillward.com, as well as the Amazon Bookstore in your Kindle. Colorado Mountain Club members get the most out of the Colorado summers. We summit 14ers, enjoy relaxing fly fishing excursions, climb thousand-foot rock faces, backpack through wilderness areas, explore the culture of Europe, raft through the Grand Canyon, and so much more. 
The Colorado Mountain Club teaches you the skills you need to safely maximize living in such an awesome outdoor playground, as well as connects you to thousands of other adventure-loving mountaineers. Founded in 1912, the Colorado Mountain Club acts as a gateway to the mountains for novices and experts alike. It's the perfect time to sign up for a membership. For more information, go to cmc.org. That's cmc.org. How do you guys rotate through this thing? Obviously, it's not one person driving the car. Explain that a little bit, how the, how the race is actually run by you guys and the team. Well, it'll all depend on which race we're competing in. And uh, basically, like for a short course race or like the, the San Felipe 250, um, we race one driver. Uh, the 500, we race two drivers. And on the 1,000, we race three drivers. So basically, each team is is two people. So we have three teams, let's say, for the last year's race. And that consists of a navigator, co-driver, and a driver. So the navigator obviously sits with the driver beside him looking at the GPS, is responsible for making sure the pits put the proper fuel in the car, uh, You know, if there's a uh, tire to be changed or if you get stuck. He's responsible for helping get out, change the tire, do all that sort of stuff. But, um, and again, we generally, again, because we've so limited in, in how many times we've been down there and our knowledge of the courses, um, like for example, last year, I wanted to start the race, um, but knowing that uh, I'm the only person on our team that we're running currently that's driven the last 300 miles of the course on the peninsula run. Uh, that it made most sense for me to drive that section because I've, I've driven it twice before. And again, we didn't have the luxury of time or resources to pre-run that section. So to keep us as um, competitive as we could, it was most advantageous for all of us to run the sections we'd done before. And um, generally it works out that way. So if we have better knowledge of, of that course, then that driver will run that section. Um, this year, since Roger Norman's taken over score, the courses have changed quite a bit. And this year we're, we're going down with the intent to pre-run every mile. So we probably will, you know, decide amongst the team who should do what section and where that kind of thing. So as soon as the map comes out, then we can look at that. We get together as a team and we, we form a strategy, what seems to make the most sense and, and who has the most knowledge for each section or most experience in that section. So it basically, it's it. You have to say, I'd like to start, but it makes more sense that I finish or I run the middle section because I've run it so many times. You know, so that's how we do it. And we have three right now. We have three uh, full-time drivers that have been with the team since the start, and we've had a couple of new navigators and team members come on as well. So it's it's been great, and we're looking forward to this year. That's good. A lot of involvement. And actually, as you're you're speaking, I want to encourage any listeners sitting in front of your computer to log on to YOLO Racing dot com. It's Y O L O for you only live once. 
uh, YoloRacing.com or go to Facebook and, and search for YOLO Racing and check out the pictures while Eric's talking because uh, there's some great pictures. There's great videos on there. Obviously, watch those after you're listening. Um, but check those out as you're following along. So I understand that uh, some of the locals may be a little bit bored and like to throw booby traps out on the out on the uh, the course for you. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> How do you it's, handle it's, that? It's, it's definitely a hazard that uh, we we never saw coming, but it's it's um, a regular occurrence on any of the races down there. Um, it's it's just something you try and be aware of um a lot of them are easy enough to get around they're they're doing it for entertainment um and unfortunately entertainment usually means a vehicle crashing or breaking that's not so good. they'll dig ditches or they'll build a big jump where there wasn't one when the people pre-ran um so usually what happens is uh score will go out and they'll mark the course and on the gps file they'll put a, a few skulls and crossbones for hazard if it's a you know extreme hazard they'll put three or four crossbones um then each team if you're you're a, a team with great resources you pre-run your own section your navigator will make notes and you know download information onto the gps where the hazards are as, as soon as the race day comes uh you haven't pre-ran for a day or two and the mexicans are out there or the locals i should say are out there and they they dig up certain parts of the course or build big mounds with bricks and uh, barbed wire, uh, you know, and and make it uh, a lot more challenging and unexpected because those booby traps were never there before. Um, we've had people throw stuff at us. We've had people, uh, you know, uh, throw bags in the air, and you're looking at the bag going, "What is that?" And all it is is to distract you because they've dug a huge hole in the ground, and uh. you know your your vehicle drops into it, and, and then you know impacts really hard on the other side and hopefully it doesn't damage something or you come out of it without rolling. So, um, it, it's exciting. It is a part of, of the race. Uh, I mean, everyone's subject to it. Um, sometimes it, it, it's not as, uh, crucial for us because we can't carry the same speeds as the $500,000 trucks. Um, but that being said, some of the things, those trucks can just drive right over without even noticing them where we will be sent flying in the air or break something on our car. So, it goes it goes both ways. I mean, everyone has to be aware of them and and prepared for them. So, right. If you see a group of people out in the middle of nowhere, all standing around anticipating something, you you learn to look for that anticipation and slow down <laughs> when you get to those those areas. You're like, this doesn't make sense that these people are standing here. So you you learn quickly. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah. So this isn't your average weekend hobby, but if somebody were considering. Uh, building and running a car down in the Baja, uh, what would be your words of encouragement? Um, it, it's definitely, and anybody can do it. Um, if they have the, the willpower and dedication, uh, definitely extremely easy. If you live in Southern California or Arizona, um, we have a few friends and actually a couple of new teammates that live in Southern California. So for them, it's a few hour drive. Um, they also have many deserts and uh, desert areas they can test in and play in. So quite a bit easier for them to, to be more versed in that kind of terrain. Um, like for us, again, as you say, yeah, it's not a, it's, it's not a weekend hobby for us. Um, basically we'll drive the car pretty well just that week of racing. And then the rest of the time it's up here and we're either showing it, working on it or it's stored. 
So for us, it's, you know, almost 1300 miles down and then 1300 miles back to race a 1000 mile race. Right. So it's, uh, again, I, I strongly, uh, you know, advise anyone that's interested in it to give it a shot. There are all kinds of resources to help you out. There are all kinds of vehicles that are for sale, um, used or new. Um, and we built our car from scratch. Um, there's a plus to it. There's a negative to it. You can get into a, a car in any class that's been run and all the research and development has been done on it. Uh, and you'll pay quite a bit less. Um, or you can do it our way. But then the one thing about building your own car, you know exactly what you have. Every part is you have a history or a log of each part, how many miles is on it, how, um, you know, was it brand new when you put it in, that kind of thing. You buy a used car, you're not knowing what every part is unless you take it completely apart and look at each component. So um, it's, it's definitely doable for anybody. Um, there are smaller races in the United States that aren't as uh, costly to run. Um, you know, there's, there's uh, Snore, there's Score, there's Nora. There's lots of different associations that you can run uh, different races in. Um, in Vegas, Barstow, um, there's the Mint 400. There's all lots of different avenues to go. And then obviously they, the, we race the 1,000 because we're limited to how much time we can actually spend doing this because all of us have families and we all work. Um, so the 1,000 is, is the biggest one there is and it's the hardest one and, and it means the most to us to win. So that, that's why we do it every November and we go down and, and, and try for that eluding first place one. Hello race fans, Eric Risen here from YOLO Racing. We are a group of firefighters and friends who compete in the Baja 1000, the toughest off-road race in the world. Every year we do race, we go down and through our charities, Firefighters Without Borders and Vancouver Firefighters Charitable Society, we make donations to needy communities down the Baja through firefighting equipment such as Jaws of Life. Last year, we attempted to donate a completely outfitted pumper truck to a very needy town in La Mission. The truck has made it all the way down to San Diego and is waiting at the border. We are in desperate need of some more sponsorship money to get this vehicle across the border for brokerage fees. We do not have the funds to uh, finalize the transition into there. And the community that is expecting the fire truck is technically unprotected from any catastrophic event such as a wildfire and we, we i can't tell you enough how urgent it is to get this vehicle across we are doing fundraising up here uh through our facebook page through our website we will be doing a couple other events but however long it takes us means that's going to be a delay in getting that vehicle across so if we can raise that money instantly that vehicle will be donated instantly. So if you can, please help us. Look for the donation page on our website or our Facebook page, and that's YOLORacing.com or YOLO Racing Facebook page. Thank you very much for all your consideration and support. We appreciate it.
tell me about the most amazing experience, you know, after you started doing this, what, what really got you hooked on this and made you think I've got to do this year after year. This is awesome. Uh, I think, I think I knew that well before, um, you know, I, again, being a car enthusiast, a Volkswagen enthusiast and an off-road enthusiast, all of those things together. Um, this was a, a lifelong dream. I remember sitting in high school drawing pictures of Baja bugs and, you know, not <laughs> focusing on what I should have been focusing on. <laughs> I remember those and, days. And then, play, yeah. And then playing with the Volkswagens here and there, racing my dirt bike, uh, and going off camping and getting into tough truck challenges with my mates who had all their four by four trucks. And I would take my Volkswagen van and try and show them up in a, in a Volkswagen van. So <laughs> I, I knew it was, it was, it was, uh, I was destined to end up down there at some point point it was just how to figure out how to do it um once we did the race uh, you know i was confident that um, i mean obviously the sixth place we were very excited because we finished and that's all we were we were hoping for um after doing it uh i was it, you know opened my eyes and said we can definitely do this and we can definitely run competitively i knew we had the skill and i knew we had the 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 team that that could get us to those points uh you know the success uh, ratio that we were looking for and it, it's it's just a lot of work to to get down there and do it but um you, once i did it i was hooked i mean it did the um dust to glory video that came out uh that dana white did years and years ago oh yeah fantastic i think, I think that hooked a lot of people uh it definitely inspired me and 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 pushed me to that edge of saying okay these guys are having way too much fun this is something we have to try so we, uh, you know, I, I, I hope to continue doing this for a long time, um, as long as I can physically and financially. I have two amazing daughters, and they've both shown interest that they want to come down and do it. Um, once they're a little older, we will bring them down and uh, hopefully get them racing cars as well. Yeah, you so got some future drivers and navigators on your hands there. You bet. Awesome. Yeah, yeah it's going to be fantastic. That's cool. So it is a major energy and time commitment. Uh, did it take a lot of convincing to get your fellow firefighters to get on board or were they pretty much just as enthusiastic off the bat as you were? Um, I, I'm going to have to say everyone was as enthusiastic. Um, the first year, obviously, we had a couple other teammates that I had, uh, one of my uh, friends was from Panama. So he b basically did not have uh, the ability to um, contribute to the workload on the car, the build of the car. Um, but he was just as enthusiastic. So he showed up and drove with us and loved it as well. Um, I think everyone it, it has a, a mutual interest in cars, in off-road racing and in pushing yourselves. Uh, you know, people always say, Oh, you go down there and you, you got a two week vacation and we've brought people down and they see how hard it is. And, and it's, it's very difficult. It's um, extremely exhausting, physically demanding, stressful. Um, but every time we finish, you're all smiles and ready to do it again, even though it's one of the hardest things you could ever imagine um, logistically uh, and, and physically. It's, it's, it's a very tough course, especially in a limited vehicle as well. So it's, it's, it's not I, – I, I, people say, oh, can we come down? I'll say, well, it's, it's not a holiday you're not going to be sitting around sun tanning. And, uh, it, it, it's, it's all work. Like there is no downtime. Um, we had 
a few new people come down this year and they got put, you know, got thrown to the lions. Um, guys had to drive for 48 hours chasing, um, and then, you know, run into the desert, rescue, uh, our stranded vehicle, try and get it operational again, repairs, uh, like, they were up for 56 hours and, and completely exhausted. And uh, they've already said, well, when, when's the next race? You know, so, so certain people probably would have shied away from it. But everyone we have on the team now it, it has got the exact same mindset. Yes, we know it's extremely difficult. We know it's going to be a lot of work and there's not a lot of glory or reward other than the fact that we did it and we were successful again. Uh, well, we may fail. Who knows? But uh, we gave it our best, and, and, and we can just hope for the best. So we have a, a really good team. So, and, and like I said, everyone's on the same page. Right. That's good. Well, I imagine these people are, they're getting the same rewarding feeling. It is a lot of hard work, but after days like that, and you're just up forever and working your tail off, that you still get that rewarding feeling out of it in the long run. And yeah, I can imagine you're, you're raring to go for the next time. No, yeah, most definitely. I think the more you, the harder you work at something, the greater the reward at the end. If, if it was really easy, it probably wouldn't mean as much. Uh, I, I putting in what it takes to, to be successful or even complete the race. Uh, every race, is, is, as long as we cross that finish line, um, that to us, that's a that's a win. Um, I'd love to say, you know, first place is the most important thing in the world. Um, this year, the fourth place was, was, was actually a, a poor result for us. It's our worst result since uh, 2008. But as a team, it was probably one of the most rewarding, uh, just based on how difficult it was and how everyone came together uh, and, and dealt with all the situations that were thrown at us. And, and this, the, the, um, the accommodations, uh, the hardships were, were the worst we've ever had. We just had a really rough goal this year but no one said a thing everyone just sucked it up and worked their hardest so i mean our 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 second worst result actually came with the most reward because the team really came together and was very very goal oriented and everyone worked uh, extremely hard for for that finish and that that meant so much to us yeah it's those moments and can build the uh, the best camaraderie in a team yeah. you know like you said if everything's easy then it's easy you walk away and you don't think much of it but you have to go through these these hardships and and have to solve problems uh, in the middle of a you know such a stringent event um yes. and build awesome friendships and camaraderie yeah and and everyone brings a a, a different set of skills to the team so um we we have so many bases covered with so many knowledgeable people on how to correct the situations and that's one of the things that the firefighting job teaches us as well i mean basically that's what we do in our careers is we fix people's problems you know you get a call for anything you know water problems fires car accidents we go there we don't know what we've got until we arrive there and then you have to make quick decisions you know to uh mitigate the problems that are there and, and do your best to resolve anything that can happen so it definitely helps us in, in when something gets thrown at you to deal with it calmly and, and figure out the, the best possible solution. So I think we're a little bit lucky that way because we've been doing it for so many years on the job that throwing it at you in the, on the, on the race course, you're more prepared to deal with these stressful situations. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
So I'm going to stop here, and we're going to finish up with Eric's interview on the next episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. He's got a lot of great things to say, and I want to give him plenty of opportunity to explain what he and his fellow firefighters uh, are doing to help out these charities and give you a chance to go out and visit the sites and hopefully donate a few dollars to get that truck over into Mexico. So as always, thanks for listening, and tune in to the next episode. <laughs>